You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcasts. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows TRIO programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former TRIO staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with TRIO. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Emilia, for that wonderful introduction. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In this episode, we have Cristobal Garcia. He is an alum of the Trio Educational Talent Search Program and Student Support Services Program. Cristobal is a proud graduate of the University of Northern Colorado and Colorado State University. Cristobal is on the program to talk about his journey in education, his career path, and what ultimately led him to continue engaging in community. Uh, I think that this is a very lovely and wonderful backstory to all of what he has to share. So coming up in just a moment... Cristobal Garcia. Remember, you too can be on the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. Again, that email, it's Let's Talk Trio, all one word, L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. You can also refer a Trio alum, student, or staff member. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario O'Reilly, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for continuing to support the podcast. You too can support the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Head on over to Patreon, select your patron level. We start off at level one at a dollar a month, and it goes all the way to a corporate level sponsorship. So if you own a business and would like to advertise on the podcast, we can weave in your podcast for $100 a month. Contact us for details. Four, three, two, one. Hi, Trio Nation. My guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast is a graduate of the University of Northern Colorado, where he received his bachelor's in arts and social sciences, also the University of Denver executive leadership certification, and received his master's in management practice at Colorado State University. He's an alum of the Trio Educational Talent Search through the Greeley Dream Team and alum of the Student Support Services at the University of Northern Colorado. He has worked in higher education for 13 years. 
Our guest has received a variety of accolades and awards, including Student Impact Award through the Colorado Coalition for the Educational Advancement of Latinos, OCOSEAD. In his free time, he enjoys community building and hiking the Colorado outdoors. Let's welcome Cristobal Chris Garcia to the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Chris, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Bienvenido. Muchas gracias. Uh, thank you so much for your time and energy. This interview has been in the works for a while, and we absolutely thank you for giving us your your time uh, to being on this podcast. I'm really excited to be here, so I thank you for the opportunity to share my story. Absolutely. How's life treating you? Uh, you know, today is great. You know, I have a job that I love. I'm able to make a difference in the lives of others. I'm deeply connected to the people that I love and care for. And I'm sitting down and chatting with you about Trio today. So Fantastic. I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it is a huge honor, by the way, to be sitting across from you, a Trio alum making impacts on a variety of levels. Uh, I think people all over the USA have thought about life and how it's compared to the uh, pandemic and everything that we've gone through already. Uh, what's changed for you during the pandemic and are, are there any differences now? You know, I think that at first it was very scary um, and we could spend time, we couldn't spend time with family. And for a Latino right. family, you know, that's a lot. And I think for many first generation families, for many families of color, that, that makes a huge impact. Um, I also unfortunately lost my 17 year old nephew. His name that's is Cesar Madera. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, he was the passenger in a, in a vehicle accident. Um, and my sister and brother-in-law asked me at that time if I could plan the funeral arrangements. Um, mm. And honestly, I have to say it was like the most difficult thing that I've done. Um, but, you know, um, it was something that I did for my family and something that I did for my nephew. Uh, so, you know, de life definitely changed um, after that. Uh, we also started working from home, which I, I imagine you did as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, a little bit, right? <laughs> and at first I didn't think that I would like it, uh -huh. um, but I like flourished at home, so <laughs> it was the absolute opposite and I worked from home for like 16 months. Um, wow. we, we didn't come back to UNC until June of 2021. Um, and, uh, something else that was really exciting is that I actually became a local influencer around COVID safety and vaccines. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, the Colorado Department of Public Health reached out. Um, they heard about the podcast that I have and they heard about like our influence here in Northern Colorado. And um, they actually like put me in a commercial that ran statewide, which I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> it was, I would say like, hazlo por tus padres, hazlo por tu familia, you know? And, and honestly, I, I believed in that because like the reason why I got my first shot was because my mom at the time had just had surgery. So she was immunocompromised mm -hmm. and I wanted to make sure that like, I, I felt that like by doing this, I was helping to keep her safe. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So community and family are really, really important to you. And uh, thoughts and prayers to your family. I know that was a huge loss of losing your, your Thank nephew. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, so with that, I know that also uh, you enjoyed the outdoors as well. That uh, you <laughs> yeah. very much being... <laughs> Uh, the hiking and all that stuff. I'm not an expert hiker. I'm I... a Coloradan. <laughs> <laughs> through and through. Yes. <laughs> um, Talk to us about that. Yeah, you know, I think that, like, um, for me, it's just a place to, like, recenter myself. It's a place to, like, um, kind of step away from some technology. It's a place for me to um, really kind of just enjoy time with my nieces and nephews. I have 10 of them. Um, wow. and, and, yeah, my sisters were busy. Uh, <laughs> and it's just an opportunity for me to really just kind of, like, re-engage with, like, my own intentions and where I come from. Mm. And um, 
you know, some of my favorite places uh, in Colorado are definitely Laurie's, uh, Arthur's Rock at Laurie State Park. I don't know if you've been there. I haven't been there. Oh, my God. It's, is it great? It's amazing. Um, okay. It's, it's not super difficult, um, which is great as for, like, a starter person. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it's, it's an opportunity for you to just kind of, like, enjoy the outdoors. When you get up to the top and you're watching the view, you can see Loveland um, on the south <laughs> fort collins right in front of you you get to see moby arena oh, wow. um yeah like it, it's just a really you could see like southeast you could see Greeley. it's just a really great um view and an opportunity to kind of like get a little exercise in then you get down you go to bojo's right like <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> connected <laughs> so my my level of hiking so i've been to horse tooth rock i've been to the top. oh yeah, yeah yeah uh but that's as far as i'm still What's very green though? i'm inviting you oh. okay so like Pick a day and we'll go. Definitely. Most, I'm going to have to take you up on that because I, I need to be more. I've only been in Colorado for five years, so I feel like I need to get more a little Colorado. More, well, right? get Manila like, to Colorado also. Oh, muchas gracias. I appreciate that. Um, uh, so feeling that, that support, building the community, that's, that's something that really speaks to you. Talk to us about the community you've built here in, in Greeley and what does that mean to you? You know, um, when I read this question, I read, you know, building this community, and I thought of the various different communities that I try to build. Oh, yeah. um, it's not just in Greeley, right? Like, you have to build community with yourself. You know, how often are you checking in with yourself? Interesting. And am I making sure that I'm living the life that I want to live? Am mm-hmm. I not burning myself out, right? Like, that's a community that you're building because you can't take care of everything else if you're not taking care of yourself. Very true. Um, I also want to make sure that I'm building community with my family and friends. Um, my girlfriend is one of the most important people in my life. My parents are also most important people in my life. And so am I checking in with my mom and dad? Does my girlfriend feel supported by me? Do my sisters have time with me? Am I getting enough hashtag the old time, right? (laughs) Right, Like, because I have 10 of them to, you know, like hang out with and and get to love. Um, And also am I being a good friend, right? Like my best friend actually lives in California. So am I checking in on him? Um, Several of my other friends live like throughout the region. Um, But really kind of checking in on that. Um, I also think about the UNC community because the UNC community is very important to me. I work here every single day, right? Like I'm here more than 40 hours a week. And so, um, you know, I start with my office colleagues and then check in on our students. And then, um, you know, I get to make, I get to be on our Hispanic serving institution task force and our graduation and retention task force. Um, and so like making an impact for alumni like me in the work that I do, Mm -hmm. um, and for all of the alumni that UNC serves, but also for all of the students that UNC serves. And then I think of Greeley, not only as like Greeley, but also as Northern Colorado. So, um, you, you know, this region is continuously growing closer and closer together. And so I think that we have to think about this as like a growing community as a whole, And when, when we believe in the power of our region, um, then it's an opportunity for us as, as Latinos, I think, also to think about how are we raising awareness and leadership um, for, for us and our community um, to our region, right? Because, um, because when I look at the leadership that I see here, oftentimes um, it's not brown faces, right? And so how are, we, how are we building? How are we building coalitions? How are we working together in that sense? And then, um, you know, larger than that, I think about like the Denver and the statewide community. Um, as part of my work, I got to serve on um, the Colorado Coalition uh, for the Educational Advancement of Latinos. I also got to serve on um, the Colorado Latino Leadership Advocacy and Research Organization. Um, I went through the Latino Leadership Institute through 
uh, through Denver, uh, through DU, which means that I have like this larger network of Latinos that like are looking out for me elsewhere and I want to look out for as well. Um, and, and, you know, just really making sure that like I'm checking in with all of those communities at the, at the same time, because, um, because I don't feel that one is more important than the other. Okay, right. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you really have a layered approach to community building because one, you're checking in with yourself, <laughs> the family, the uh, UNC, right? And then it just, as you said, it branches out and it goes to mm -hmm. Northern Colorado as well. You know, we have to think about the systems, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it, um, any, any impact that you make, whether it's like one-on-one -on -one or whether that turns into like a network, whether that turns into something that's happening at the state, Right. It, it, it is a layered approach. And I'm glad you thought of it that way because I had never thought of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and, and that's very, uh, one, it's very rare to find an, an individual that can, that's able to do that because I feel like in, I've been to several states, uh, Texas, New Mexico, and it, and it feels like there's always approaches or try, there's efforts to do that. Uh, but to have an individual uh, and again, super honored to be in your presence because you've done oh. <laughs> a lot of work to not only uh, uh, work within your community, but to also influence outside of that community, right? To re outreach to Northern Colorado and to have, hopefully have a positive cascading of effect. Well, thank you. And um, it's not just me, right? So like it, it, it is a coalition. It, it's, it's, it's the group, not, not Chris. <laughs> um, and, you know, like when people, I think, also ask, and I think, I, I'm not sure if you've had this experience as well, but, you know, joining a board or a commission or something like this, and then someone says, like, well, what do Latinos think? I don't know what Latinos think, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. I can speak to you as my experience, as like a Colorado native who lived on the other side of the border, right? Like, and... Um, and like here are issues that people tell me about right and so oftentimes i'll use like my social and i'm like yo folks we're going to be in front of xyz what are the main issues that you see impacting you right like mm -hmm. and so and, and so that way we're building that knowledge base we're building that opportunity so that it's not chris garcia thinks this it's yo we've researched people in northern colorado and here's the things that they're saying that are important to them around x or y or z right mm -hmm. amazing amazing uh, what is the thing that you're looking forward to the most now that we're almost seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully, this <laughs> pandemic? Because it, it feels like, right, like we've got the booster shots we, and, and there's yes. still a lot of uh, questions surrounding whether or not one should get an, a vaccination. Uh, yeah, tell us your thoughts about that. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a question. Um, it's a public health need, right? Like, and so, like, if you can, I would say get vaccinated. Um, I, but but the thing that I am looking forward to the most uh, towards the end of this pandemic is travel. You know, when I graduated from CSU, I took about a month and I traveled from Costa Rica to Panama. Um, wow. And I just spent like the entire month going through both of those countries. Um, I've been to 22 of Mexico states. I've been to 29 of the states in the United States, either driven or traveled to, right? Um, and, and I want to get back out there. And... Um, yeah, like I think that's the thing that I that I you know I, I want to see different people. I want to connect with different people. I want to learn from different people. Absolutely. Um, and and I feel like that's what I've been like missing the most. All right. Yeah. So traveling is it sounds like it's a large part of uh, kind of a passion of what you like to do is is to go outside of your comfort zone and really travel to other areas. Um, I'm gonna ask you kind of a follow up and okay. say. Uh, is there a country that you haven't visited that you'd like to visit? Italy. <laughs> Italy, for sure? <laughs> yeah. What, what is it also about Japan, Italy? Also Japan, but like... Oh, Japan too? Um, no, Italy, I think, is just like... Um, well, I, I mean, 
many countries in Europe, I think, are just like countries that I've I've wanted to go to for quite some time. Uh-huh. Um, but there's just like um, being a Catholic, wanting to go to Vatican City, mm-hmm. um, wanting to like be in that culture. Um, I love to eat, and so like. I want to eat all of the food. Italian <laughs> food, right? Like, um, it's also close to other places, right? So, like, the opportunity to, like, take a train ride to France or oh, go to true. Spain or, so you know true. what I mean? Like, something like that is is something that I'm just like, oh, man, I just want the opportunity to do that. Yeah. I think, uh, and we'll get to this here in just a moment, that when TRIO, when you're getting so involved with TRIO programs, especially at the high school, the middle school, high school level, they give you this chance to explore outside of your community and that really draws a lot of students in oh yeah Uh, so for me it was uh upward bound and then taking us to new mexico state that really kind of started broadening my horizons uh right now my my ultimate goal outside of country is to go to australia that's i really want to go to australia okay so hopefully it'll make it happen well we'll see what What, happens what draws you to australia you know, it's uh, it's a rugged country, uh, yes. and it's uh, very different. I think a lot of people like immediately point to like, oh, I want to go to the United Kingdom, all that. I'm like, but I want to see like a different side of okay. right, uh, of colonization uh, that happened in a different country. I see so I, want, I really want to go and then kind of see the history uh, my, myself. But Sydney, Australia is more of the pole. I really want to okay. see kind of the be a tourist in that area. Very cool. But uh, thank you so much for sharing that. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, I think overall, people are excited to see people again. I think that's mainly the draw. I agree. Right? Uh, <laughs> the, the virtual environment has its, it has its upsides, a lot of benefits. But what have, what have you observed uh, with this virtual environment? What are some of the uh, pros and cons? Uh, you know, our work, when our work went virtual, um, I think we were able to actually see how much we could accomplish in a virtual world. Um, you know, we started having a lot more online events and meetings because I think people still want that connection. Even though it was virtual, people wanted to still jump online and be like, I want to see how, and I'm just going to name names, but like, I want to see how Tony's doing, or I want right. to see how Brenda's <laughs> doing, or I want to see how, you know, Edith is go- doing, you know, like, I, I, I really want to connect with these people right. um, because it's, because that is your community. And when you're so isolated, like, if you can't do it physically, then at least the opportunity to kind of like virtually see someone's face, then you're like, ah, you know, like, como estas, you know, like, um, and, and, and like, I actually met um, two of my really good friends, um, th- his twins on virtual, right? Like, really? Yeah, because they were born, I think, right at the end of February before the, right at the beginning of the pandemic. That is about to, yeah. And, um, and so like in one of our first major calls, he brought him out, you know, and you see these two little babies and you're like, oh my God, like I miss hanging out with these people and I'm still getting to like live re- whether that's virtual or not. Right. Right. Um, I, I, I already said this, but I worked from home and I loved it. Um, <laughs> um, and I think we were able to find creative ways to like provide value, whether that was through online forums, engaging posts, on-demand content. I managed the right. social um, for our alumni office as well. And so like making sure that our groups were well connected, making sure that um, making sure that we had content that people could like relate to, making sure that we were providing gratitude to the alumni who were doing the work, right? Like 
um, during like teacher education month, making sure that we're highlighting and thanking our teachers during nurse appreciation month, making sure that we're highlighting those nurse and those medical professionals that were really struggling during those times. Right. Like, so, so, so really doing those types of things and then really just finding more sophisticated ways of engaging virtually, including our online career programs, um, really kind of hosting forums with career experts, um, bringing people together to look at like virtual resumes and cover letters, right? Like ways to, to really support our alumni base, even though, and our student base, because like they will be our future alumni, um, in, in, in getting the resources they need, even though it had to be virtual. Right. I think that that's super important when one, uh, and I'm going to, can I talk a little bit backwards of how you addressed everything? Because it's important that the institution shows that the student, the students are still cared for and that they feel supported. Right. Uh, and that's amazing that uh, you have been able to engage your social media team and engage in a variety of levels to support students. Mm-hmm. And then working backwards, also with family and friends, that virtual environment yeah. definitely uh, plays a huge role. Uh, I attended a, a friend's wedding online. Really? Yeah, it was very <laughs> interesting because he, uh, he had marked... Uh, and interestingly enough, my friend is Tony. Tony Ho. Oh. Uh, over at, <laughs> he's in Denver. Shout out to Tony. Um, and... I marked that I was going to attend his wedding online. I did not know what to expect. I was like, this is brand new. Don't know what to, right? I, I logged on. Sure enough, you know, the wedding, beautiful wedding, a fantastic wedding. Uh, did you get like was... a guest packet at home? No, could... I didn't, unfortunately. <laughs> we, we gave like graduating students guest packets that oh, we mailed amazing. to their, yeah. So like, yeah. Um, right, like graduation was virtual but we sent them something that they personally could have and then invited them back the next year. And so um, CSU's colors are green and gold, right? Yeah. UNC's colors are blue and gold. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So um, most of the mortarboard uh, are navy blue every year. Um, but for our 2020 graduates, we made them gold. Oh, um, wow. And so like people could physically, like, oh, there's a 2020 grad, right? Like, yeah. And they could come back and participate in that next graduation ceremony so that they could graduate in front of their family and friends and feel connected. So. That is so meaningful. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I'm so glad you all did that. Um, we are recording this episode with the holidays coming up. Thanksgiving is like not very far away. Um, do you have any fall, any plans for fall break and yes. winter break? <laughs> <laughs> I was so break. ready for this question. <laughs> um, you know, I think one of the things that I'm very, very excited about is that, um, you know, I, I think the, the pandemic had an impact on my mom um, in that, like, she was very afraid of being immunocompromised um, and, and really feared for her life and the, and the life of her 10 grandchildren, the lives of her children, the lives of her elderly aunt and uncle, right? Like, all of these kinds of things. Um, and so, like, she, she was very, 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 very careful, which I know many people were. Um, but she has wanted to go her entire life to Mexico City. Um, and so I have the privilege of this, actually, the Friday after Thanksgiving, we're leaving and we're going to Mexico City for a week. That is amazing. Um, so uh, we're going to go see Castillo de Chapultepec. We're going to do a hot air balloon ride over the uh, pyramids of Teotihuacan. Um, we're going to Museo Somaya, and I'm just going to have, like, all the chilaquiles, tacos, tortas. <laughs> I told you I like food. Uh, maybe watch a Lucha Libre match. You oh, know what I mean? A, like, yeah, cool. yeah, so, like, um, really kind of have that opportunity to, like, have fun, you know, um, re-engage. And, um, yes, you know, we've done everything that we needed to. We, we have all, all three. I even have my booster shot already. Um, and just making sure that... Um, that we're staying as safe as we can while we, you know, kind of re-engage in the world. 
Well, Chris, if I don't have you on Facebook already, I need to add you on Facebook so I can like all your pictures. Yes. <laughs> Living that tra traveling experience through you. Um, so here's kind of the part about where we talk about TRIO. Can you talk to us about your involvement in TRIO and when did that begin? Yeah, you know, I was a junior in high school when I was first involved with TRIO. I joined Educational Talent Search. Um, and I have to say that I, I remember every single one of my TRIO advisors and I want to thank them so much. Uh, Miss Lydia Nava, thank you, thank you. Rosalba Martinez Sharp, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Rosalba's, I think, still at Ames Community College, I think, in a, oh, in really? a trio program, oh, wow. uh, working as an advisor. Um, Marisol Jimenez, who is down in Texas now. Wow. Um, and Heath Barr, and I don't know where Heath went, but you talked about your friend's wedding. Um, the he, Heath actually gave out Heath Bars at his <laughs> wedding. It said Mr. and Mrs. Bar, which is like awesome. super cool. Um, That's so cool. That was a lot. Yeah, I was in high school, so that was like years ago. But, um, but like a good little giveaway. Um, and then when I was at UNC, I was able to join the Student Support Services program here, um, which here is called the Center for Human Enrichment. And I have to say that if it wasn't for Julie Trujillo, I'm not sure that I would have been able to navigate this college process effectively. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm sending a huge shout out to Julie um, and, and um, really access so many resources because, uh, you know, you talk about network and I'll talk about network a little bit later as well but like um you, you talk about network and and people get afraid right like oh yeah is this scary. is this is this people that like oh I have to ask somebody for something or I have to like get to know people that I don't know or does this just mean like small talk and schmoozing right like right. what is network right yeah but like network is these people that really really care about you like mm -hmm. um and, and and this is a quote from Stephanie Torres who is one of my mentors um, but, but the way that she defined network for me really, I think truly changed the way that I think about networking in that a network is just a group of people who care about you and your professional life so much that they want to see you succeed. Right. Mm. And so Julie Trujillo was one of those networkers. Um, Patricia Escobar from the Cesar Chavez Cultural Center is one of those networkers. Ernie Andrade from the Cumbres program here at UNC is one of those networkers. Those folks, right, Aldo Romero, um, those folks are people who say, oh, you know what? You need support. Let me get you in contact with this person. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, you want to be a teacher? Let me get you in contact with the Cumbres program. Oh, right. you're involved already? Let's get you in contact with the Chavez Center. Oh, you want to do this? Like, let's get you involved over here, right? And so right. they help you find those resources without, like, you don't have to be as resilient <laughs> as a first-generation student because those people are looking out for you. And so um, since then, you asked about my involvement, but, you know, I volunteered for several student support services panels. Um, I've spoken at some ETS events, and I was actually also had the privilege of being on this Greeley uh, Dream Team ETS Board of Directors oh, wow. um, yeah. for a short time, um, actually, like, right after I completed my undergraduate degree. So... Um, I served for, I believe, two and a half years. So it was very, very nice. Wow. So upon reflection of that, we're going to kind of rewind a little bit. We're going to take it back <laughs> to your childhood. Uh, so take us, back, take us back a bit. Share with us about your childhood growing up. And what do you remember the most as you were growing up? I remember moving. You remember moving? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> my dad really didn't like to stay in one place. Mm. And so we moved quite a bit. We actually moved 13 times by the time I was in sixth grade. Oh, wow. And so we lived in Fort Collins, Colorado, in Loveland, Colorado. We lived in Torrington, Wyoming. 
We lived in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. We lived in Valparaiso, Zacatecas in Mexico. We lived wow. in Greeley, Colorado. We moved back to Fort Collins, and then we lived in Lexington, Nebraska. We lived in Las Cruces, wow. New Mexico. We lived in Valparaiso again. <laughs> and then we moved to Evans, Colorado, and we moved several times, you know, within those cities in between those times, right? And so, like, I remember it being a little bit difficult, right? Because like mm -hmm. you would just make friends and then it was like, ya nos vamos. And it was literally like two weeks later. So I went yeah. to like three different third grades. Uh -huh. um, but the the positive thing is that I like learned a lot and I, and, I, and I see that today, right? Like maybe when I was moving, <laughs> I didn't see that. But I see that today because like, I am a fully bilingual person that, and, and I'm privileged to be a fully bilingual person in English and Spanish and, and no one can take that from me. Um, I'm also like super easy to connect with, I think. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> when, we, when we started talking, Chris, you, I can definitely vouch for, um, vouch for that. And I think like the ability to meet so many different people um, as a young person and to see so many different cultures because the culture in Nebraska is definitely different than the culture in New Mexico Certainly. is definitely different than the culture in Valparaiso, right? And so like seeing all of those different cultures and the way people engage, I think has also helped me um, with like the social skills and the social emotional skills. Um, and, and I think it, like most of all, it made my family super close, right? And so mm -hmm. um, we are very, very connected to each other and um, able to support each other because of that, I think. All right. You talked a little bit about your elementary experience. Can you divulge a little bit more about what was that like? Because you had to make a lot of connections. You were moving around quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a few interesting stories. I'll share two. Okay? Yes, please do. Um, the first one is, is uh, so, so my name is Cristobal, but I go by Chris. And um, in part, you know, you, you spoke to these systems of oppression or, or these systems of like challenge um, before uh, a little bit earlier. And um, uh, I went to preschool in Loveland, Colorado, and the teacher could not say my name. And so she called me Chris, right? Mm -hmm. And so she told me, you spell your name C-H-R-I-S. And so um, my name is actually spelled C-R-I-S-T-O-B-A-L, right? Cristobal. Right. But in my first educational experience, that was what I learned, right? Yeah. And so Chris now is part of my identity, right? And so like... Chris is the part of my identity that I actually think I identify with the most because it's like <laughs> if my parents say Cristobal, then I know I'm in trouble. Um, <laughs> but like I've been Chris now for like most of my life. Mm -hmm. And so and so that that's one experience that um, was challenging, but I think I've, I've learned to like grow into and love. Um, and I think a challenging experience on the other side of the border was, you know, coming uh, coming from the United States and then going to school in Mexico. Um, in the U.S., I was considered like this, like top level gifted student. And uh -huh. in Mexico, I mean, you're learning like algebra in like third grade. Oh, um, wow. yeah. Wow. So like, it was really, really difficult. Um, on top of that, I had learned all of the phonetics from the United States. So when you, when they said spell they, I was like, this sounds like the Spanish word for the, right? Right. And so it was like T-H-E, and they were like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, uh. The advantages um, and disadvantages of right, learning two languages. <laughs> yes. And like a funny story about this is actually like, um, so, so you know, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R -E is Christopher. Uh -huh. And so I was writing out my name in first grade in Valparaiso, Zacatecas. And this little boy is like, oye. ¿Cómo te llamas? Chiristopper. Chiristopper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And I went home and I told my dad and he busted out laughing pretty much exactly as you did. Um, Sorry. And so like, no, but since then he's called me Chiristoper. Really? And so like, that's another part of my identity, right? Like, so, so I'm Chris, I'm Cristobal, I'm Chiristoper, I'm Don Cris, you know, like, it, yeah. it, like who, how, it, you know, all these experiences kind of added and, and added layers using your word um, to like the person who I am. Um, and really kind of gave those levels of experience. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So your experience really speaks to uh, what a lot of uh, students that uh, have a Latinx sounding name mm -hmm. and then having to transform that to, uh, I guess, Americanized. Yeah, like normative or, English. Right, normative right? English. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then having to really dual identity or uh, identify, right, to say, well, I'm American here's how I'm going to express myself with this <laughs> yeah. name, right? Yes. And then in Spanish, right, being home, it's like, oh, man, wow, yeah. wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, it blew my mind. So my, my very quick story, anecdote to this. <laughs> For the longest time, uh, my brother Luis, shout out to my brother Luis, uh, he was Humberto to us. We always called him Humberto because that was his middle name. And then we struggled, uh, like, it was a video game that we were playing and we were trying to insert all our names in it. And then uh, Humberto was just too long. I'm like, dude, we call you Beto. We call you Humberto. It's way too long. Like, what else can we call you? And he's like, I have, you can call me Luis. I'm like, for real? That's your first name? Like, that blew my mind learning his first name. Like, we've ever, first time ever learning it. You know, I have cousins and... Um... Like one of my cousins, uh, we call her Becky because as a kid they called her Pequeñez, right? Oh, okay. And so and so yeah. she stayed Becky. And so somebody was like, "Oh, you're Claudia's cousin." And I was like, "Who the <laughs> heck is Claudia?" <laughs> and they were like, "You're." I saw you talking to her the other day in the yeah. lunchroom, and I was like, "Claudia, Claudia, Claudia, <laughs> Claudia." And then like later on, I was like, "I had no idea your name was Claudia." <laughs> so. so Revelations yeah. that come later, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Biculturalism, you know? <laughs> love it. You gotta love it. Um, how would you describe yourself, Chris, as a student? Uh, you know, I think, like, um, I... Gosh, this was, like, a difficult question for me to, like, answer. Um, my parents always, ever since I can remember, told me I was going to college, right? Oh, really? So they, they were like, that to you? They, they just said, like... Esto es tu trabajo. La escuela es tu trabajo, right? School is your job. Yeah. And so, and so for me, it was like, I am going to college no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, so I better be good at school. Okay. And so like, and so at the beginning it was for my parents, right? But mm -hmm. then like it slowly turned into something for me. Um, wow. And you know, it, it was interesting too, just because like, um, and we'll talk about a little bit about this, but like, uh, I was called like a schoolboy or, you know, things like this. And actually none of that ever really bothered me because I was like, yo, I want to do good in school. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's, that's me. Right it's there. my job. Right. <laughs> and so like on top of all of that, my parents also just, you know, they ingrained in me that like bees are not good enough. Or my dad would always say like, today is the best day of my, right? Like today is the best day of my life was his accent. Right. And, or he would say like, um, or really my mom telling us that we needed to go beyond, you know, uh, my, my mom is proudly and I'm proud of her a janitor for the last 25 years for the Windsor school district. Uh, my dad has worked in construction and meat packing and, um, in, in several different arenas of construction, but most recently he's a supervisor at, for like, um, kind of road construction and, and like, water and sewer pipes Amazing. yeah um but like for them like going to college means not having to work outside 
um, and going to college means like having a job that you can like kind of go to eight to five and then go home, right? Like there's so many things that that meant um, that it was like, we want better for you and we yeah. want you to go beyond what we did. My mom was the only person in her family to graduate from high school. Um, my, my dad only made it to the sixth grade in Zacatecas. My mom is from Denver. Um, and so, and so like, um, I, I, I guess when I speak about like who I am as a student, it, it has a lot of influence with like who my parents wanted us to be. All right. Thank you so much for sharing that, Chris. Um, you subjects at this point of your childhood, uh, whether it's elementary uh, or a little bit of middle school, what did, did you gravitate to any of these uh, subjects or was there a subject that you particularly liked or excelled in? Ooh, um, I really liked uh, history and I really liked writing. Oh, um, wow. And history, I think, because like I was in so many different places. Mm. And, and I'll tell you this quick story. That, yeah, like, please do. <laughs> when we were in um, Mexico, I learned about the Mexican-American War first. Oh. Okay. And so I learned about the imperialism. I learned about the first, you know, giving these... Texan, you know, slave owners the opportunity to come and have land in in Texas, right? Like not Texan, but like come and come to Texas and you know like take some land and and build a farm and no, you can't have slaves in Mexico, right? Like all of these different right. things, and then like how James K. Polk literally was like, well, screw y'all, we're gonna take your right, like, and we can. Oh, and we're gonna say that it's it's causing war because these people went over the nueces versus the Rio Grande, right? Like all that different kind of stuff. And so like learning that from a Mexican point of view and then learning a completely different story from the United States point of view mm. in that this is manifest destiny. And we were meant to go from one side of this uh, ocean, from one ocean to the other. And like, right, like a completely different telling of history in that like history really is a story, right? It's, it really it's is. his story and hopefully more and more her story yeah. and their story. And, you know, whatever you identify story, um, but like we have to tell stories not only from one perspective and and so that's why i loved it so much and i think like this writing was an opportunity to tell stories wow that's amazing uh with history so i'm kind of a history buff i, I majored in history oh in cool I, me too oh, social, well, social sciences oh, but right, history social, was, social, yeah, social. yeah yeah same thing um <laughs> so was it more like for you what eras of, of history did you really gravitate toward or you really like studying um i really liked studying like uh pretty much like um, the beginning of the U.S., right, like that piece, um, and then also like the 1960s civil rights movement. Um, I really liked uh, learning about like um, the colonization of Mexico. Um, my family is Mexican, so I, I, I you know, I, I want to learn as much of that history as possible. Um, and then also just like, I, I think that people think that the civil rights movement happened it Beyond feels zero. like hundreds of years right. ago, right? Like, right. But literally, like, the woman who, uh, I think her name is Ruby Bridges, uh, who was, like, the first first woman of color to desegregate these elementary schools mm -hmm. in Georgia, um, is, like, only, like, 64, I believe. Yeah. And so, like, for her to be only 64, like, that was not that long ago, right? Yeah. My mom is 63. Um, and so, and so to, oh. to realize how much history is in our lives and, and, and even today. I mean, I think Absolutely. what we've lived through within the last four years even is 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 history that like 
our children, our children's children, our children's children's children are going to talk about. And they might be like, man, that era was messed up. (laughs) (laughs) And if I'm alive, I'd be like, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And like, there's always an opportunity to try to make it better. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think creating those spaces to to improve and to say we've learned from this, we've learned from history, uh, and hopefully, right, not having to slide back and say uh, we we have to repeat this again and we have to address this again. And yeah, correct, totally totally on board with you. Correct. Uh, What was your relationship with education like? Uh, Did you really enjoy learning? I do. I think I still love learning, um, which is really why I've continued participating in like leadership certifications or civic engagement programs, because I continuously want to learn more. I think that when you're not learning, you're stagnant. Oh, that's true. Um, oh, yeah, that's and, so true. And, 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 you know, they always say like an old dog can't learn new tricks. I think they can. Right. Like, yeah. And so like I just continuously try to learn. I, I take I take random classes, too. Um, I took an organizational communications class because I wanted to get better at organizational communications. Oh, that's I took yeah. uh, several graphic design classes because I wanted to do better with like graphic design um, so that I knew better about like layouts and um, programs and and how to make um, social media posts more engaging, right? Like, yeah. and so and so, I take classes that I'm like, I would be really interested in something like this. Do I want another degree? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a doctor. No. <laughs> I think that I'm like, I, I always say like, why why get a doctorate when people should be calling me Master Garcia, right? Like, um, which is not true, but <laughs> um, I, I sense a little Star Wars reference there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so um, no, I like I know that I continuously want to learn. Um, another degree doesn't really seem like uh, maybe right, but like right now, no. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally get that. Right, like after a master's program, you feel a little burnt out. You feel yes. like okay, I, I want to continue learning, the life learning. You're you're committed to that, but to get another degree, it's almost like you don't want to make that huge commitment again, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, I was going to, just to to stay on that point a little bit about lifelong learning, I think, uh, especially in the Latinx community, that it is important to instill that in in future generations. Because I think uh, oftentimes that, um, and and I see this with my own kiddos, where I'm like, what's the point of this? Why do I have to keep doing this? Why do I have to keep going to school? And trying to ingrain to them, right, that lifelong learning is a commitment. It's something that you're going to keep doing even after you graduate from high school. And I think, like, learning is something, again, that no one can ever take away from you, That's right? Like, true. It, it, it belongs to you at that point. And obviously, it's through your own lens or through your own perspective. Yeah. Um, but, but, but that learning stays with you, and, 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 and it builds scaffolds, right? Like, so, oh, so what you gain from one educational experience just builds onto that next one and builds onto that next one. And I'm using like educational terminology because I was supposed to be a teacher, <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like really, you know, those things um, help bring you a new perspective. And, and, I, and I think like you continuously have to be, bring new perspective. It, it's just like um, education and DEI, right? Like, mm. or, or justice and belonging. I mean, like all of That's these true. things um, are a continuous learning. You, you don't just end one day and be like, I'm finished with it. I'm done. I'm I'm equitable, right? Like, right. <laughs> um, and so like I actually this fall started taking every single one of the um, DEIBJ um, uh, trainings that our institution offers, mm-hmm. um, just as like refreshers because obviously stuff has changed since the last time I've taken them. Um, 
to make sure that I'm serving our students and our alumni more equitably and, and um, justly, and, and also just to make sure that I'm building spaces of belonging in, in our office for our mm -hmm. students because I help manage our students, um, and then also making sure that they feel comfortable enough to know that I'm an advocate for them. Um, and so, and uh, I mean, I literally took one on disability and accessibility recently, oh. and, and I found out that the disabled community is actually taking the word disabled back. And so they don't want people to call them differently abled or alter abled or mm. use these words because then you're like centering ableism um, mm. as the piece. Oh, wow. um, and yeah, I mean, like it's something that like blew my mind, yeah. right? Because so much of what I've learned in previous years is like different than that. Right. Um, and so and so just the ability to kind of like take these refreshers and, and be like, I still have learning to do. Absolutely. That's amazing. Um, so we talked a little bit about your elementary school experience. Can you talk to us about your middle school experience and what was that transition like for you? I mean, I think any transition can be a little bit scary or like wary or hesitant, right? True. Um, but I was lucky enough to have some teachers who really looked out for me. Uh, I had um, Mrs. Grant, um, who was my sixth grade uh, writing teacher and like language arts teacher. And then Mr. Kevin Espinoza, um, Mr. Archibek, uh, who both were Latinos, and I had the privilege of having them as well. And so, like, learning from men who um, identified similarly to me um, and who could engage and, like, really kind of reach out to my parents and be like, Cris está haciendo esto bien, or Cris no está haciendo esto bien, right? Like, um, yeah. I, I think, like, that helped me build, like, a strong head on my shoulders. And then with my parents and the chancla behind me pushing me forward, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> all of that <laughs> helped me as well. Very great motivators. Um, <laughs> it can be very intimidating to, to be in middle school. Mm -hmm. I think that's when you start coming into your own. Um, was middle, middle school something you adapted to very, very quickly, or do you think it took a little bit of time to adapt to? I think it takes time, you know, like to go from one classroom and one teacher to multiple classrooms, multiple teachers, multiple priorities, multiple subjects. I think in elementary school, you're just like, my teacher teaches me all of these things, right? Like she's right. a great teacher, um, or he, or they, um, but in, in, in middle school, then you turn into this person that's like, oh, you know this person teaches me this, this person teaches me this, and then there's tests at the same time, and there's finals oh gosh, at the same yeah. times, mm -hmm. and there's, um, right, like, different priorities to your learning, and there's projects, and there's all of these different things, and so I think, like, that's what can be difficult, um, but really trying to understand that while maintaining good grades, because, um, as I shared earlier, like, my, my parents just had very high expectations of us, yeah. um, and so really trying to meet those. Right, right on. Uh, in in middle school, is that where you discovered TRIO? Yes, actually. Uh, so it was uh, it was the ETS program, so. All right, right mm -hmm. on, awesome. Um, so talk to us a little bit about your transition now from middle school to high school. What was that like? Um, <laughs> I have to say, again, that I was like a lucky person, um, and I'll say a lucky man, that um, many of my high school teachers and my ETS counselor knew me uh, because my sister had gone through four years prior. And so, uh, and so they, they knew of my sister, they knew of my family. And so they were like, oh, Chris, you're Naomi's brother, right? And so, and so they helped connect to me because of that. Um, but also in that transition from middle school to high school, I started working. Um, oh, okay. uh, I, I was 14 when I had my first job. Uh, I actually served uh, meals and bus tables at like an elderly folks home. Oh, wow. Um, and, 
And, you know, I wanted to pay for a car. I wanted to have some independence and I wanted to like pay for some of my own expenses. And so I started saving money for a car starting at 14. Wow. Mm -hmm. So really that kind of that teenage drive to start being independent and say, you know what, I can do things on my own now. Exactly. Wow. Uh, while in high school, was college something that you thought about? It wasn't an option. I was going to college. Right, right, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was going to go to college. My parents thought that I was going to be a lawyer or something like that, right? Like, right. I, I mean, I think so many of our first-generation parents uh, know many of the, like, careers that are very, like, college-to-career, right? Teacher, yeah. doctor, nurse, lawyer, right? Like, they, they, they see those direct career positions, um, but they so don't true. always see the other ones. But, like, one of the things that my parents wanted for me was to have a job that, like, again, where I could be comfortable, I think is, I, I think that, like, idea of comfort, comfortability yeah. is something that, like, people um, who have worked really hard in their lives want for their next generation, Absolutely. right? And so, um, it, it wasn't a question about if I was going to college, it was just that I was, how was I going to get there? And um, that I needed a major that was going to get me a solid job. Um, and the, um, and I knew that my parents weren't going to be able to help me pay for it. Um, and so I had to get really good grades for scholarships. So, yeah. uh, those are the things or, or be really good at sports. And I have to be <laughs> honest with you, I played sports, but <laughs> I wasn't the best. Well, what did you play? Uh, I played soccer and I ran really? track. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't bad. Oh, cool. That's <laughs> awesome. What did you play? I played clarinet. Oh, that's really cool. For, for a while I played, I played clarinet for high, in high school. Uh, what positions did you play for uh, soccer? Um, I was right wing, right forward wing, awesome. um, and then I was in soccer, and then um, I ran the 200, the 4x200, the 400, the 4x400, the 800, and the 4x800. Awesome. Did, did any of that carry over into college? No. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I wasn't the best. <laughs> I just went to a school of immediate runners. <laughs> all good it's all good right um were you thinking of what colleges to go to so now we're, th we're thinking yeah. college was a certainty for mm -hmm. you were there colleges that you were like this is this is where i want to go well you know i think like uh you talked about trio being this place that or, or or being this opportunity that kind of takes you to different places they took you to nmsu correct mm -hmm. yes um uh i went to csu i went to CU boulder I went to UNC, I went to DU, I went to CU Denver, mm -hmm. um, I went to Mesa, and I knew that I never wanted to go to Mesa. <laughs> Nothing against Mesa, it's just <laughs> not for me. Um, and uh, they took me to Alamosa as well, wow. and I was like, nah. Um, again, just a different community, different culture. Certainly. Um, but like, I knew that, um, number one, I knew that I had moved a lot as a young person. And so like, I didn't want to move super far away. Um, and I knew that like, in, in my own mind, I knew that like UNC, CSU or uh, CU Boulder were like my main options. Okay. And, and, and wow. I, it wasn't that those were like ingrained into me. It was just like, though, that's what I thought were my main options. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I can kind of relate to that experience uh, for, for me. So Eastern New Mexico University was, uh, that was our home institution that sponsored the TRIO Upper Bound program. Um, I knew in my mind that ENME was the only school I was going to go to. They exposed <laughs> us to NMSU, UNM. They took us to all these New Mexico schools, but I was like, no, I'm just applying to ENME. That's it. Um, going back, would I do it all over again? I'd st still probably go to ENME. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at and, and my mindset. But kind of going back to our conversation about comfortability that, that our parents envisioned for you mm -hmm. uh, working in an office or in, in an area, uh, I'm wondering, 
and I kind of had this immediate experience with my mom about four or five years ago uh, that she really didn't understand the job I was doing. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so when when you talk to your parents about your job, do, do they have like a... Do they have a good picture of what's going on with your job? Or do you, like, for example, when you describe virtually, my dad was like, hold on, you work, you work virtually? Like, in the computer? Like, yeah, I'm like, damn, that I just log on and I meet with my yeah. people. I roll out of bed. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I mean, right? Uh, uh, yeah, so, like, um, I, I, in many ways, um, for, you know, I graduated in 2008 from my undergraduate degree. Um, and I was supposed to be a teacher, but I was offered a position as an admissions counselor, mm-hmm. um, which is where my, you know, I guess opportunity into higher education opened up. Um, my, my parents for, I think the next six years still thought I was some kind of a teacher that just mm-hmm. taught kids how to go to college. Oh, um, okay. and I was like, actually I do kind of do some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and help connect families. So like, I was like, yes, I am. And so I think education has continued in the work that I do, right? Like, um, whether I was working in career services at Colorado State University, I was helping, you know, inform and educate people about how to do effective career materials, have corrective, uh, correct interview etiquette, right? Like yeah. all of these kinds of things to kind of like support them in taking on that next step. Um, as I was working in financial aid, I was helping inform and educate people on how to apply for scholarships, how to look for institutional aid, how to, um, apply for federal aid, right? Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and... Now in my role as, um, and, and I'll say this also, when I was working in local government and community relations and engagement, I was also helping to inform and educate folks on how to engage with their community, right, and their local government. Because so many folks, especially those who have been most marginalized, not marginalized folks, but those who have been most marginalized and ignored, um, are often left on the sidelines when they need new streetlights or sidewalks or, you know, um, speed bumps in front of their houses because cars pass too fast, right? And they want to make sure that their kids and families feel safe or like access to buses or things like this, right? And so like, it's always been kind of this idea of like informing people. And so like, they continuously say that I'm some kind of a teacher. And so I'm like, okay, I'll take that on. Um, But yes, I 100% agree in that they're like, he does something at the university (laughs) and he's a direct associate director now. And like... (laughs) So they know I do something that supports people and they're proud of it. Um, do they know what I do? No. <laughs> I think that's the, 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 the more important part is that they're proud of you for it, right? Yeah. They're, like, they're very uh, very proud of the, the position that you have and the, the way you give back to the community. So that, that's super important. That's awesome. Um, we kind of covered this question, so I'm going to reframe this question a little bit for okay. you. Uh, we talked about that you were in soccer, that you were also mm-hmm. in cross country. So we're going to go into what was the most memorable experience that you had uh, being in these extracurricular activities? Well, you know, I have to say, uh, I I also served on the student council. I was also the president of LULAC. Um, I participated in a group that we created that was called Hispanic Mentors, where we mentored um, younger students who maybe needed some additional academic support or things like that. Um, Pep Assembly Committee, right? Like, these were things oh, so that, were like, like yeah. yeah, like, uh, layers, I guess, layers. again, right? <laughs> yeah, the theme of layers. Um, and I think it was mostly because, like, um, I had teachers that supported me, right? Like, my ATS counselor supported me. And these were folks who were helping me. And, and, and they were also reasons to do well in school. If I had bad grades, I couldn't do sports, right? Like, if I had bad grades, I couldn't get involved. Um, and so, uh, can, can you reframe your question again? Sorry. Yeah, so, uh, my what was the most memorable experience in those extracurricular activities? Like, for all the things that you've done for all of them, 
Uh, or is there one that kind of sticks out in your mind? Well, you know, I think that the only thing that, that I'll share is that, like, at the end of my high school journey, um, a, 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 a high school student colleague of mine, um, his name is uh, Jamie Peña, uh, Jamie wrote in my yearbook, and, and I didn't, like, immediately look at what everybody wrote, right? Like, when I got home, um, it, this was senior year, I got home, I opened, I opened the yearbook and I started reading through some of these things, and he wrote, like, dang, comma, I can't believe you're leaving, period. You were like the Mexican that got involved, period. And so, mm-hmm. like, that for me um, was, I think, one of the most memorable things in that, like, it was like, I I didn't do it for, like, recognition or anything like that, but, like, people were watching, right? Yeah. Um, and, so, and so hopefully that motivated him to stay involved, you know, like that kind of stuff. That's awesome. As good segue to kind of approaching your senior year, the final two years in high school... Uh, did you have an idea of what your career would look like at that point? No. <laughs> it was, it was, what a high school student does, right? <laughs> it was really hard to imagine. You know, um, I, I wanted to be in a career that gave back. Um, but I also needed to make money because there's that entire social economic transition that many lower middle class or middle class kids have to have mm-hmm. um, in order to make sure that, like, you can make it, right? Like, um, and I needed a job that, I, I needed to find a job that my family could feel proud of because uh, I come from a collectivist culture, right? And and so, like, I, I wanted to do all of those things. Did I know exactly what that was? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we covered this question already about what specific, what specific colleges you had in mind. Um, but was there a dream school for you? Was there a school that, you know, yeah, Colorado, you know, you probably could get into any one of them. But was there a dream school that you really, really, really wanted? So I'm going to like add a, what, what's the like prelude, I guess, <laughs> in that I wouldn't trade my experience at UNC for the world. At the time, being a kid from Greeley, I wanted to get out of Greeley. Okay. Um, and so my dream school was Colorado State University. I was from Fort Collins, right? Like it, I was born in Fort Collins. It's, it's the place where I wanted to go back to. And so my first choice was CSU, um, but it really became... Um, a choice of UNC or CSU, and my parents didn't have the money to cover costs. Um, I got the first-generation scholarship at CSU, but it didn't pay for housing. And at the time, um, you couldn't live within 50 miles and, like, commute, right? Like, you couldn't be a commuter student. And so um, I I just decided to come to UNC. Um, And and, uh, I was going to study engineering at CSU, so we may have lost one of the world's engineers. Um, but, uh, I was able to, you know, study education here. I got minors in Spanish and Mexican American studies. I got to study under, um, Dr. Priscila Falcón, who I like, mis respetos, right? Right. Um, and then also just got to connect with so many people. I think like, um, I built a community here, um, and, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I take away from any of that by, by saying that like. As a kid from Greeley, I wanted to like move slightly away. Yeah, yeah. I think we might have lost a, a an engineer, but we've gained an excellent <laughs> educator. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, talk, how about the the transition from high school to college? When did that start happening? Did you notice when that transition start happening? And what was it like? 
You know, uh, I'm so happy that I was in Educational Talent Search, and I again have to thank my ETS advisors, especially Lydia, because Lydia was my advisor for the longest time, mm-hmm. um, and uh, because she connected me to so many resources at, C- at UNC. Um, she was a CSU grad. She wanted oh. me to go to CSU, oh, that's right? A, but she was a, like, you know what? It's cool. Let's get you connected, <laughs> right? Like, um, she was the one that shared the Center for Human Enrichment with me. Mm. I immediately met with Julie Trujillo. Julie Trujillo said, you want to be a teacher, you need to be part of the Cumbres Teacher Preparation Program. Wow. It's a scholarship program as well, yeah. and it helps with bilingual bicultural education, right? Like, so, yeah, so, like, connected me to Ernie Andrade. Ernie Andrade said, have you been to the Cesar Chavez Cultural Center? Um, you could probably work there as a student. So I got a job at the Chavez Center doing work study, right? Like, and so, like, these are the people that connected me, and it all started with ETS um, <clears throat> because Lydia um, really helped me connect. And so I have to say that my transition was easier was made easier because of, you know, being part of a TRIO student support services program. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ultimately decided to pursue your undergrad here at uh, University of Northern Colorado. Uh, aside from the practicality uh, decision, what, what were there traditions or things that you really enjoyed about UNC that drew you here? Yeah, you know, when I made the choice to come to UNC, um, it was a school that I had visited almost annually since like sixth grade. Uh-huh. Um, and so it was like... <laughs> I know this campus, I understand the people who work here, right? Like, um, I feel like I could be an effective leader here. Um, I always look for the opportunities to, um, to kind of like coalition build or, or lead. And so um, I, I thought that I could make a career, um, I could have a career that made a difference as a teacher. Um, and so that's what I decided to study. And, um, you know, like, while I was here, I was also able to keep my high school job, which first, um, so after serving meals for the elderly, I started working at StarTech, which is like a technical support center here. Um, And they, I think it no longer exists, that's how old I am. Um, But uh, (laughs) uh, I, I serviced Nikon cameras. And so I was like oh. the customer service agent okay. at like 16 years old um, <laughs> on the other side. And then um, at, at 17, um, I was offered a position at First Bank. Um, it was like May of, well, it was, no, it was January of my senior year. Mm. Um, I was offered a position at First Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think like that's where I started to say like, okay, I have a job here in Greeley that's good. They're willing to work with me around my schedule to go to college, right? Like I'm able to go to college. I'm also working a second job at the Chavez Center. Mm-hmm. And then and then I had some scholarships that helped me pay for college. And then I also worked a third job at Windsor Schools as a janitor. Um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would clean the high school. Wow. So you yeah. have all these layers of jobs and experiences. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like an onion or an ogre or something. <laughs> the theme of layers continues. <laughs> So, uh, Chris, talk to us about your experience at UNC and what was that like? Man, I have to say it was amazing. Um, I was so connected. I was immediately afforded opportunities and resources that allowed for my leadership and academic success to kind of formulate and form. Um, like I said before, I was a, an employee at the Chavez Center and a member and president of both the League of United Latin American Citizens and Movimiento Estudiantil Chicano de Aslan. 
and I was on student senate while I was here, mm -hmm. um, and I helped with immigration advocacy when there were immigration raids here at JBS Swift mm -hmm. um, back in 2006. Um, and then I also like we planned events around Cesar Chavez week. I had I, I did a hunger strike for like six days, oh, wow. which was like really hard. I have to, this sounds to intense. be honest. <laughs> um, but, you know, and then I also was volunteering at my high school and then there were classes. Right. So like um, really kind of taking the most of what I could um, while I could during those four, almost five years um, in, in college. That's amazing. Did you have guidance navigating the college process? Yeah, you know, I, I talked about her a little bit before, but Julie Trujillo, my trio advisor, played a huge role in my college success and in the network that I was able to build as a first-generation college student. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was still difficult, I'll say that, but like... Um, because books and academic resources are really expensive. Really um, you know, I, I'm so glad that there's this new open resource, open source, like, platform that's starting to build around, like, resources for classes and things like that. But, like, mm. they were expensive, right? Um, on top of that, sorry. No, no, you're good. Uh, on top of that, there were various different offices that I needed to speak with if I had a hold on my account, right? And you got to kind of, like, try to navigate that on your own. Um, I had to work while I was in college because otherwise I couldn't afford it. And, you know, I was still helping with some things at home. My sister needed rides to and from school, right? Like there's just all of those kind of different layers that y your life as a regular person doesn't go away when you go to college. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then we're really at the core of the question of what role did TRIO play in your educational journey? So you were both talent search and student support services. Talk to us about that journey. You know, I'll talk about the, as student support services, the smaller cohort classes um, really helped me. Mm -hmm. Helping register early for classes made a difference because I was able to get into the classes that I needed to get into. Um, the creation of a four-year plan and the advising to make sure that I was sticking to that, I think is so important because like, if you graduate in four years, then you're able to start your career earlier, right? Like your life moves forward, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and then just building community with fellow first-generation students, I think makes all of the difference because Absolutely. you may not be going through the same exact thing, but you're going through similar things and you may need similar supports. And so for you to be able to be like, yo, bro, I need help with this, right? Yeah. Like it's, it, it just kind of like helps you um, build that connection. And, and I'm so glad that I'm still friends with so many of my friends. Uh, I, I'm going to shout out to Alejandra, to Jerry, to Monica, to Lillian, to Alonso. I mean, there's so many others, but like these are folks that we started in that same first English class, right? Like that English cohort class, writing whatever 101. Um, and, and have since then, you know, gone on and I, I see these people doing more amazing things than I do. Um, and, and, and really kind of making a difference in the communities where they live. Amazing. For many first generation students, the college campus is, it can be a very overwhelming place, especially when you set foot and then you have all these resources being thrown at you. How did you manage being on campus and how did you manage all of that? Um, well, UNC is a smaller campus, so I feel like I lucked out on that. Um, and with the support that I was given, I could navigate effectively. But I'll share a story of like my first time looking Please for do. classes. Yeah. In that, like, I showed up on the Sunday before um, classes started because I was just like, I just need to make sure I know which building. Yeah. Um, and some of my classes were on different sides. But I, I kept looking for this building that it was like the, the first initials were M-I-C-H. And I was like, Mitch, Mitch, Michelin, Michelin building? I don't know. And so I, I was like looking around all of campus, you know, driving around in my car. 
And I ran into this like older gentleman um, with like a dog, and I was like, he looks like he knows <laughs> what he's doing here. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got off the car, and I was like, sir, uh, do you do you know anything about UNC's campus? And he's like, I'm a professor here. And oh. I was like, oh, thank God, <laughs> 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 I met the right person. Yeah. Um, and so I said, do you think um, do you know where the Michelin Building is? And he was like, I have worked here for. 32 years and I've never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, building. this one, I just need this one. And he's like, oh, that's the Michener Library. Um, oh. And so like literally was like, it's this building right over here. Oh, this is in the lower level. So you'd be in the basement. Um, but like uh, that, just a tiny story about me navigating yeah. <laughs> this campus. That's amazing. Like you, I love how in college you can make those connections, right? With professors who are able to help you mm -hmm. and say, hey, no, this is the building that you're looking for over here. <laughs> yes. No, it's going to be on the lower level. <laughs> um, so, uh, Chris, as we're getting toward the end of the podcast, what is some advice that you would share with students listening to this podcast, TRIO students specifically? Of course, I would start by just saying reach out for support. TRIO has a network of thousands, thousands of alumni who have gone through many of the same struggles that you're currently going through. Reach out to us. Um, I'm also going to say mental health is real. And it's, it's not something that's like, oh, well, I put it on the side, right? So therapy and counseling are awesome. I'll say that from personal experience. Um, check in with yourself often and invite your family and friends to do the same. And the last thing that I'll share is connect with your advisors often. Um, they have your best interests at heart. Um, and so if they're telling you like take this class or if they're telling you um, take advantage of this opportunity, like they've gone through it, right? And so like, like listen to them because they, they wanna make sure that you succeed. Um, I guess one last one that might make you laugh is to check in with your professors and go to your uh, go to office hours with them. Um, I had a microeconomics class because of social studies. Oh, sure. Sure. You always have to have those. I <laughs> am not a microeconomist. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Uh, I, um, <laughs> I failed every single test in that class. I went to every single office hour and I think the professor was probably just like, I need you to not be in my class next semester. And I somehow passed with the C. So like take advantage of like just going in and checking in because they, they'll know that you care, right? Absolutely. And they know that you want to pass their class. I have to be honest that numbers are not my, not my suit, not my strong suit at all. Um, and so, and so I just have to say like checking in with your professors makes all the difference. Absolutely. I think it really does. And just to kind of share my experience, I had a psychology professor. My minor was psychology. Oh, okay. So I was, you know, all my other psychology classes I did super well in, but I had this one professor who just, I, I thought he had it out for me. I was like, really, man? Like I... Sometimes they do. And, but he, he made it clear, like, I had nothing against you. Oh. Like, you just didn't understand the concepts I was trying to teach you. I was like, man, what are you talking about? I was pulling D's in his test, but because I was visiting with him so often, he was like, crap, he, it, I can't remember, uh, the last, our last meeting was right towards uh, finals, uh, finals week. I had bombed the test completely. And I was like, uh, Dr. Johnson, I'm sorry, I tried. I tried really hard. He was like, Santa doesn't come around um, every single month. <laughs> I'm giving you a good, you're getting a C. He's like, just don't ever take this class again. Yeah. <laughs> 
please leave. He's like, you do great. He's like, you just struggled this class, but please just never take this class again. Right, but like, but like, really connecting with the professor, like, it shows it them really that you care and that you want to like succeed. Absolutely. Um, and so, yes, I agree. Absolutely. So it seems that leadership roles were something that you were like naturally you gravitated toward. Can you tell us why you decided to pursue leadership opportunities and how you assume those leadership positions? Well, you know, at a very young age, I began to understand that I not only had a voice, but also a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that I also had a responsibility to the community of people who raised me and supported me. And so both of those things together really kind of framed where where I would go, right? Like, uh, right. And, and how I wanted to show up in the world. And so I decided to pursue leadership opportunities because Northern Colorado is a diverse community with cities who range from... 15 to 50 percent Hispanic, Latino, Latinx mm-hmm. identifying individuals, That's right, true. and population. Mm-hmm. But yet, when I look at the leadership in government, in education, in business, in the nonprofit sector, in many of the sectors that we live our lives in, I don't see brown faces at the table. Mm-hmm. And so that's not to say that it has to be my brown face, right? Like, <laughs> But I think that there need to be more, and I don't think I'm going to rewind that, and I'm just going to say there need to be more brown faces at these tables, brown and black faces at these tables, because we are part of this community and we need to be at this table, right? Because when you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And in my opinion, leadership in these communities has for a very long time marginalized us and ignored us. Mm -hmm. We are not marginalized people. We have been marginalized, right? Mm -hmm. And so my involvement in local, local, regional, and statewide initiatives is because I want to make a difference for the people of all backgrounds, and I want our leadership to be representative of the people that they serve, to be culturally competent, culturally responsive, and to also provide access to those who need the most, right? Like, or, or who, who have the most need, because oftentimes, and, and I'll say this even in higher education, even in... Um, in local government, because I've worked in both, is that we think of that middle class mindset, right? Like so many yeah. of us are have become middle class that it is a middle class mindset, and so you don't think about uh, the people who need who maybe in, in food insecurity or in housing insecurity. You don't think about the people who um, may speak another language, right? Like we're, we're literally looking at UNC right now to start like um, uh, English as a second language, like ESL and CDL supports for students who are already excellent students but had those supports in high school but they don't have those here Mm. i don't know if they have them at csu i'm not sure if we have something equivalent i'm trying to think there's like a writing lab yeah right and there's like a math lab and there's things like that but there's no specific like culturally and linguistically diverse Mm, education lab for students who need supports as english english language learners right and so like those are things that we need to be aware of and to be like these are already excellent students. The fact that they need a support because they may not, English is not their first language, right? Like it's not their dominant language. Right. That doesn't make them any less excellent, right? right? They made it to UNC. It's our job to make sure that they are successful here. Absolutely. So to, to add on to you, you say that uh, it doesn't have to just be Chris to, to do this I, I, and, and that uh, there's a presence, uh, right? I just wanted to quickly interject and say, you are a very strong presence. So meeting you today, <laughs> I was like, I could just feel like very strong presence. I'm like, there's a reason why this guy's here. So very, very, very cool. I uh, just wanted to point that out. But um, you also decided to pursue your master's degree at Colorado State University. So you went back to, you you started at UNC and went to your dream school to, to pursue your master's. Um, what inspired you to go back to school? 
you know, honestly, I just wanted to do more. I knew I could do more. And if I was going to go continue working in government or higher education or a similar field, I knew that I needed another degree. Right. Okay. Like I, I felt that the work that I was doing as an admissions counselor was good and it was effective and it was making a difference. And I, I just wanted more. Right. right and on. so like I chose to get my degree in business because of a conversation that I had with two of my mentors. Um, I was I remember it specifically. I was at the university center here at UNC and I was walking up the steps and I, I had literally gotten into the Sahi program at CSU. Mm-hmm. I'd gotten into um, the HESOL program, which is similar to the Sahi program, but here at UNC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had gotten into the Master of Management Practice at CSU through the College of Business. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were the three programs that I had applied to. And so I was like, okay, like, what should I do? And so um, I, I originally was like, well, I'm working as an admissions counselor here at UNC. I should just stay at UNC. But when I reached the top of those steps, um, Samuel Kim, who works at CU Denver, and Violeta Garcia, who goes by Yeni, um, uh, who, who worked at the Colorado Department of Education as the STEM coordinator, like mm-hmm. the director of STEM, mm-hmm. um, but now um, works at like, um, she does like STEM, I, I guess educational work as like a, her business. Um, they both asked me how I was differentiating myself from my colleagues. Oh. They said, if you stay at UNC, how are you differentiating yourself from your colleagues? And yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, there were eight admissions counselors. Of the eight, six were in the HESL program. And then myself and another colleague who wasn't in a master's program yet. Um, and I said, how am I differentiating myself? We all had um, liberal arts style majors as, as undergraduates, right? Um, and we were going to have the same master's program. Yeah. And so I literally kind of went home that day and I said, how am I differentiating myself? And so I asked myself, do you see yourself always working in higher education? I didn't know at the time, right? And so I said, since I don't know, I'm going to go for the business degree because that's going to take me places that maybe these other degrees might not. And so I took the opportunity to get a business degree at Colorado State University as an opportunity to kind of expand the the openings to me mm-hmm. um, and the opportunity to kind of like go into different fields. I have to say that that education truly prepared me for the career services work that I've done and for also the work in alumni and network building that I've done and also community relations because really understanding the customers that you serve and understanding that every customer has different needs and understanding how to communicate and market to those folks and how to engage them in the work that you're doing mm-hmm. and um, and also <laughs> a little bit how to sell people, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like right. all of those things are like very, very important and they provide a base of knowledge that has really supported me in the work that I've done since then. Wow. That's not to say that a HESOL or a SAHI or any other degree is any less, you know, worthy or, or welcoming. It was just my personal experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. You currently serve as the University of Northern Colorado as the Associate Director for Alumni Relations. What does that role entail and how does it encompass your, your passions? So I work on engaging more alumni in the life of the university, in the lives and in the careers of our students, in the careers of each other, which we call the Bear Network, mm-hmm. um, and in the priorities that are set by our institution. Um, Because of this connection, I'm also involved in several divisional and institutional committees and task forces. I have the privilege of working on our institution's newly formed graduation and retention task force, which will work to guide the work that we do towards being student ready and students first. 
which is part of our strategic plan, mm -hmm. um, with a goal of increasing our student success and graduation and career metrics. Um, I also serve the institution on our Hispanic Serving Institution Task Force, which ties okay. into the institution's 2030 strategic plan mm -hmm. on recruiting and engaging the students and families of Colorado, providing a more inclusive and equitable experience that students feel, and so that they feel like they belong on campus and they can succeed here, and then so that faculty and staff understand that their campus, that their work here on campus is going to change to serve more emerging student needs. Absolutely. Um, and then I also work with our regional groups, which means that er, there's 24 regional groups, 13 industry or professional groups, um, and 10 special interest groups, and I manage our social media channels as well. Wow. That is a, so, that's, a, that's a lot of stuff. Um, I'll say that it's... Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just going to share. You, you say, like, how has it encompassed my passions? I'll say yeah. that it doesn't encompass all of my passions, which is why I do work outside of the work that I do. Okay. I, I don't feel like any job does encompass every single one of your passions. Um, because there's always an opportunity to learn or to do or to experience outside. Um, and that's why we created the Latino Northern Colorado podcast. That's why I started a Young Professionals of Color networking group, um, right? Like there's different things that I, that I want to do. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, can you share us one more time the, the uh, podcast that you host? Yeah, it's called Latino Northern Colorado. And Latino Co Northern Colorado focuses on the issues, opportunities, and resources that are available for Latinos to access um, here in Northern Colorado or the issues that they face, as well as like leadership. So we've been able to interview Dolores Huerta. Um, we're going to interview Polly Baca. Um, we've interviewed Ray Romero, who is vital, integral into the education system here in Greeley. Um, we were lucky enough to be sponsored by the Fort Collins Office of Economic Health. Um, awesome. we, we spoke at uh, the Fort Collins Startup Week. Um, we've worked with um, All of Us Health Research, which helps us like make sure that we have more equitable health research with people of color as well. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, where can we listen to this podcast? Anywhere and everywhere where podcasts are available, Spotify, Apple, um, Anchor, uh, does Google have podcasts as well? Yeah, they have yeah. a Google podcast. I think anywhere you publish, they're looking at they're going to send it out, right? Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, are there any mentors you would like to recognize on the podcast right now? Uh, yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. My high school teacher, Brandon Torres, uh, first generation, strong Latino male figure um, who made it through college and never lost his identity, is someone who I very, 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 very much look up to. Um, he's also a mentor who I feel like other people consistently look up to, and he taught me how to tie a tie. Um, and, and I got to say, like, that's, um, that is something that, like, going into a profession is something that not everyone has access to. Mm -hmm. And he literally, like, tied four of them for me um, when <laughs> one year, and, like, then was like, this is how you do it. And so, like, literally, I was, like, practicing with the tools that he had given me mm -hmm. in order to make sure that I was, like, effective. Um, Dr. Raul Cárdenas, mis respetos de nuevo, um, it, from a chance meeting at the UNC Senior Barbecue, I got the opportunity to be an admissions counselor at UNC, mm -hmm. all thanks to Raul. Um, and so definitely, definitely some one of those people that like really brings people in, gets them connected. Um, Mrs. Uh, Miss Stephanie Torres um, is the current AVP of Student Academic Success here at UNC. Um, she's a powerful black woman, one of the realest people I know. I met her when I was 14, um, and she's been giving me the advice that I need to hear even <laughs> when I don't want to hear it um, for the longest time. Um, and she, she's also the person that I talked about that taught me that a network is 
that group of people who care about you deeply and care about your career success. Um, and that reframe has really changed my life. Um, and last but not least, I want to speak to a historic mentor. Yes, um, Who I learned about during my Latino Leadership Institute experience. In the, I speak to his power often because I believe he believed in equity long before there was a conversation about equity in the United States. Senator Casimiro Varela was one of 42 Colorado state senators who co-wrote the Colorado Constitution. Mm. Senator Varela's family was traditionally Spanish-speaking, and he was one of the only Latino or Mexicano-identifying senators as part of this coalition and as part of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and he worked to ensure that the Colorado State Constitution be written not only in English, but also in Spanish and in German, so that all of the residents of Colorado had access to learn and see the laws that they were being told to abide by. Wow. So, like, he also shows us that we are a historic community in this state, because so often we have these narratives that we need to dispel that tell us that we don't contribute, that we're not civically engaged, and that we're new to these lands, when really, like, we were here at the beginning of where Colorado was, and, like, he showcases that work and that work of making sure that, like, we could understand the laws that we were told to abide by, right? And like, yeah. Wonderful. That's amazing. Uh, Do you have any advice for trio professionals across the country? Yes. Connect. Share insight. Share jobs. Reach out to your alma maters. You know, some people believe that alumni relations is only about asking graduates for money. (laughs) That's what I think it is. That's what I think it is. And the truth is that our students and academic and co-curricular programs need funding and support that comes from philanthropic gifts, right? Sometimes that's from alumni. Mm -hmm. Beyond that though, our students and recent graduates, especially first generation students and recent graduates, need access to a network of professionals that will help open doors, open insight, and open job opportunities to them when they graduate. So I would say look behind you and Mm -hmm. pull up that next generation of people, reach out to your alma mater and be like, how can I help? Because that's what alumni relations is. Wow. Thank you so much for summing that up for us and for <laughs> that great advice. Uh, Chris, it has been a true pleasure and honor to have you on the podcast. I hope to have you on again in, in the future. If yeah, you, if we like. should go for a hike soon too, definitely. right? Definitely. <laughs> I'll definitely take you up on that. Um, can you do us the, a huge honor in signing off? Yes. Hi, this is Cristobal Garcia, and I'm an alum of TRIO Educational Talent Search and Student Support Services, as I know it, CHE. I'm a proud Latino who currently serves students and alumni of the University of Northern Colorado as their Associate Director of Alumni Relations. I'm so grateful for the experiences and opportunities I've been afforded as a first-generation college graduate and now higher education professional. TRIO works. Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We appreciate you. Thank you. Are you a participant, alum, or staff of a TRIO program? Do you want your program highlighted? You or your program could be featured in an upcoming episode of Let's Talk Trio. Get a hold of us by going to our Facebook page or Instagram and send us a direct message. Search for Let's Talk Trio. We want to get your story to the public. What a great episode with Cristobal Garcia, alum of the Trio Educational Talent Search Program and Student Support Services. Chris, we appreciate you so much for being on the Let's Talk Trio podcast. We appreciate your leadership and your continued involvement in the Latinx community. Remember, if you'd like to be on the Let's Talk Trio podcast, send us a message via email, 
Let's Talk Trio at gmail.com. That email again, it's L E T S T A L K T R I O at gmail.com. A special thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario O'Reilly, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for continuing to support the podcast. You too can be a sponsor of the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Head on over to Patreon, search for Let's Talk Trio, select your patron level. We start our basic levels at a dollar a month. A dollar a month does go a long way in supporting this podcast. If you own a business and would like to advertise on this podcast, head on over to Patreon, select your business level, and we will weave in your ad on this podcast. Contact us for details. I'd like to take this moment to thank our honorary members of the Let's Talk Trio podcast team, Tony Ho, Roderick Chambers, and Scott Kendall. The Let's Talk Trio podcast team is John Russell, music producer, audio supervisor, audio engineer, and editor. Amelia Castañeda, social media manager, marketing manager, producer, and script supervisor. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. Thank you all so much for continuing to listen to the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Uh, Thank you all so much for the positive comments, the support, and we will catch you on the next episode.